Hi, I'm Annette Way Clark, and this is the cast from Simspa. Each month, we will bring you the latest news and updates from the Simspa team, and special guests will be joining us to talk about their experiences of working in the sport and physical activity sector. We hope you enjoy our podcast. I caught up with Simspa CEO Tara Dillon at a recent event. So, our first podcast and our first guest has to be Tara Dillon, CEO of Simspa. Thank you for joining us, Tara. Oh, you're welcome, Annette. Thank you for the opportunity. So um, something that we've seen um, recently that we've been really interested in is the new report from the Health Foundation. Um, one of the things that's found that a number of people with major illnesses in England will increase nine times faster than the healthy working age pop- population. Can you share some of your thoughts on, on, on that, Tara? Uh, yeah, I'd love to, Annette. Uh, um, the data is um, alarming, um, but not surprising. And this against the backdrop of another report emanating out of central government that states that um, it's going to issue an arbitrary figure of 1% additional spend in terms of prevention is completely counter to the evidence that this report you just alluded to tells us. And for me, it's counterproductive. It's not a data-driven decision. And we as a sector have all the energy, data, resource and innovation to tackle exactly what this report states, where we can um, almost divert the spend in the NHS in treating these, you know, this data that says it's going to increase ninefold by preventing long-term conditions from happening in the first place. Um, And I think it's short-sighted at the very least by government, and it's about time that government um, spoke across departments and invested in this sector heavily. T- to be totally honest, Annette, I'm not sure that we need masses of investment. We just need um, support, recognition that the work that we're doing is very real and very tangible in terms of saving billions and billions of pounds um, of NHS spend in the next decade. I mean, I could probably give you an eye-watering figure in the next year. That's how much data we have, and we're constantly overlooked by government. Yeah, and, and we're, we're seeing um, some of the impacts of some great work that's happening locally through our, our, our local skills team um, in both prevention, um, pre-care, and, and really kind of how the impact of, of physical activity is, is, is benefiting alongside the, the, the healthcare professionals, the prevention but also recovery of, of, of people with, with long-term illnesses and serious illnesses. Can you tell us a little bit more about some of this work the local teams are doing? Yeah, we, we've chosen to adopt a hyper-local strategy because each place has a different set of priorities over the next one. So, for example, you might see um, a higher level of resource um, in Bournemouth into slips, trips and falls, whereas you may go to inner city Birmingham where the emphasis might be on type 2 diabetes, many authorities focusing hugely on preventing, um, um, you know, well not preventing, but supporting people with mental health challenges. And the reason why we've gone hyperlocal is so that the physical activity sector can make a meaningful intervention where it's needed most. So where this has worked in some of the pilots, we worked in a multi-agency way where we understand the priorities of the local authority and the local ICT or ICB, Integrated Care Trusts, where they've identified exactly what that place um, priorities are. The sport and physical activity sector can then say, well, listen, uh, we have the 
skills and resource to make an intervention in terms of prevention here. We can't fix potholes in the roads, but we can support um, people in mental health strategies. <clears throat> One such example, for example, is Greater Manchester, where um, there's a fantastic initiative in cancer prehab, where just with 20 instructors who have been able to upskill in that area, are um, supporting people before their treatment for cancer. And the consequence of that is eight um, bed days, eight hospital bed days per, per patient saved on the other side of recovery. And, uh, you know, something uh, close to £1,000 a day. Now, you do that at scale, and that's just one small initiative. So what we're saying is, okay, if we did more of this, what skills and occupations would we need to create in order to have that impact? Then we supply those skills and occupations through our brilliant training provider partners and further education partners. The curricula that we develop is more bespoke and will have a greater impact. And then we're able to measure um, and then repeat that cycle. Local authorities, district councils and ICTs are, are, are forming an orderly queue now around this concept. And it's starting to really showcase uh, the, the genuine impact the sector can, can, can deliver. But more importantly, because it's hyper-local, the data that we're collecting in those areas is so rich that it's telling the story that I alluded to earlier, which should make government sit up and listen. Yeah, there is, there is some fantastic data, and those local examples really do um, show what, what can happen when there is kind of that joined-up thinking between, between kind of essential services that, that are kind of working in a, in a local area and, and the skills agenda as well. Um, how can people um, find out more about the work that we're doing um, in, in, in local areas? Each one of um, each area of the country, we were focusing on devolved and mayoral authorities initially, but um, we, we basically carved up the country in England, uh, um, to a certain extent Scotland and Wales, where we now have 22 areas, and each area has a skills hub manager employed by Simspa. Um, they're called the local delivery team. If you would go onto simspa.co.uk, you can look up that local delivery team. And each member of that team is now facilitating a local skills advisory board. And this is that coordination of local authority, ICT, leisure providers, um, sport and physical activity, community providers, etc. Where we're all coming together to identify the skills needed to impact on those local priorities. So it's very easy to find. Um, and, and, and the idea there is that each one of those skills house managers will facilitate um, all of those priorities that I mentioned. So thanks to some investment from Sporting, we now have a workforce to support the solution. It's, that's great. It's really exciting for us, and we're really looking forward to seeing more of that work roll out. Thanks for joining us on the podcast, Sarah. No problem. Thanks, Annette. Next on the cast, we're delighted to be joined by Andy Heald, SIMSPA member and chair of the Community Professional Development Committee. Yeah, Andy Heald, so I'm working with um, SIMSPA now for sort of the past eight years. Um, started with my previous employer, working at Professional Standards, predominantly coaching, assistant coach, and working with children. And then that um, kind of relationship just grew, uh, working closely with. Um, Colin Huff and Spencer originally and then meeting other members of the team and then championing really what, what Simsbury was about um, having many frustrations in the in the sector around workforce and regulation 
um, just felt obliged to, to get on board to really champion what, what Simsbury is trying to achieve to, to kind of support the customers and clients and people that I were working with. So, so yeah, we've been working on with, with Simsbury, as I mentioned, for about the past, uh, for the past eight years. I work with different organisations on the regulation for working schools predominantly, working and supporting small and sort of small medium businesses. Um, but operate as a, a quality assurance, uh, as a QAA, a quality assurance advisor and a moderator. So um, work in a bit of a unique ecosystem. So you get to work with training providers um, in sport, in gym instruction, in fitness, um, in coaching. Um, but also then we get to work with awarding organisations um, to look at how they're aligning to standards and how they're aligning qualifications to standards. But then also then working with businesses and working as the chair of the community PDC, um, feeding into the PDB, I can share lots of those different experiences in different areas of the sector um, that supports the direction that we're headed. Um, so, so yeah, it's a really privileged role to have and I'm, I'm really pleased to be continuing to champion what, what Simsborough about really. And this week we um, were at the, the UK um, Professional Development Board for Simsborough and a big topic of conversation was recruitment and retention and the impact that's had at the moment on the sector. Yeah. Looking forward, what, what do you think people around the sector and since we can do to, to kind of support um, providers and, and operators in terms of recruitment and, and retention issues yeah. they're facing? Well, there's a number of different kind of technological advances and systems that have already been implemented that we, we spoke about in the PDB. I've had a really you know, great insight from the skills hubs, from the digital hub that's already out there, that's been out there for a while. Um, but I think also then, really understanding with the new um, regional hub managers that have been kind of deployed really getting that as much as we've we've had a, a national understanding of the direction we want to head through various reports and what we've been studying it's really gathered momentum on this this week's pdb um with more data more insight more information not just on a national level but how we can actually influence that on a local level so how do we work with fe how do we work with local training providers how do we work with local employers? How do we understand the different types of employers? It's not just the large employers, but it's the sole traders, it's the, it's the small businesses, the medium businesses. Um, and we've seen to having a great understanding of that and a really, I feel, a powerful voice to government, to top level, to, to, to stakeholders, is that um, we can really now work collaboratively, truly collaboratively, not just on the national but on the local level. And uh, that's, that for me is really exciting. That's brilliant. Thanks very much, Andy. So I'm Helen Hiley, um, Education Manager for Simspur. I work with our higher education partners. Thanks for joining us on the podcast, Helen. Um, some very interesting um, kind of news coverage um, in recent days, weeks, um, following uh, the Prime Minister's um, statement around the value of higher education courses and um, a feeling that that, that some um, courses aren't offering impact in terms of employ employability and, and skills value um, for the economy. Um, Simsbury does a lot of work with higher education partners and particularly around helping young people to um, boost their employability through through degrees. Can you talk to us a little bit about that and, and share some of your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, so Simpson's been working with um, higher education partners for six years now, and we've got 38 um, working with them, and that's amazing, really. Um, and the big concept, or the main concept, was around endorsing their programmes to professional standards so that students and all graduates could be employable, employable or deployable during the studies or after the studies, um, and the impact of um, the multiple standards and, and working across occupations, populations and environments really helps and supports that that concept that outcome to help the um providers do that really um we've got um over 130 degree programs endorsed with us and that has been a lot of work from the partners um looking at their programs revalidating their programs regene some of their programs to reflect the standards that they help to uh write being part of the sector um partners um, <laughs> so yeah being part of the partnership um but yeah that's it's been a lot of hard work and we, it's, it's great that we can report over two and a half thousand students or graduates um have been successful in achieving um either gym instructor personal trainer coach um and can be employed in the sector and the reason i say student or graduates it depends on how um the partners have mapped their programs um, so if they've mapped their programmes within the first year, potentially a student could be working as a gym instructor while continuing their studies to so hopefully reduce the impact on any, any fees or anything after once they've completed. And what's really exciting is the work that the um, partnership are doing with their employers already to the point where some employers are holding jobs for their graduates or creating new jobs for their graduates as well. And that's an exciting thing to me that um, people need to be aware of, really. It, it really is kind of an, an excellent testimony to the, to the work, I think, that, that Simsbury does in bringing together employers and, and higher education partners and, and really delivering on those those skills um, that, that employers need and the, and the economy needs. Where can people find out more about some of our work with, with higher education partners? And if they're a higher education organisation themselves and are interested in getting in touch, where can they find out more about our work? Um, so all of the work is on our website, so simsper.co.uk um, forward slash higher education. At the bottom of all of those pages, there's some news and, and blogs on how we work with our current partners um, and information on um, how to join the benefits of the partnership. Um, there is an expression of interest and when they get in touch, um, it is me that answers so that um, I can answer any other questions and stuff. But we've got an amazing team that work and, and they can find out a bit more information, definitely. That's lovely. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast, Helen. Thank you. Hello, I'm Colin Huffman, Head of Policy External Affairs at Simsburg. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today, Colin. Uh, we recently had our Professional Development Board um, and as part of that, one of the things that was approved was the professional standard for working with women and girls. Really exciting development. Can you tell us a little bit about that and also what it means for those working in the sector? Yeah, definitely. It's really exciting. Um, something we've been working on for quite a while now. So we pulled together a specialist expert working group about 12 months ago, um, led by Emma Ross from the Well HQ, to look at how we can create this professional standard for working with women and girls. Um, we've taken 12 months to get an expert group together. We've um, been through a process of understanding the competencies that people need to work with women and girls and all the other different um, technical elements that need to understand. Um, we spent quite a lot of time in the last 12 months really understanding what women need, how, how we should work with women and girls and how, what people need to know. 
Um, so we're now at the stage where we're about to publish the standard, um, of which is fantastic. And we will then see, hopefully, education providers um, looking to develop either new training courses which align to the standard or to um, seek accreditation for their existing courses which align to the professional standard as well, which obviously then we will endorse and we'll provide the multiplied central points for our, for our members to, to take from there. That's great, it's really exciting development and we're actually hoping um, a lot of our, our partners um, take, take on board the, the standards and, and kind of enhance the delivery. And um, we'll be talking more about it um, on our website and our other channels in the near future, won't we Colin? Definitely, yes. Uh, you'll see a lot coming out about it. And um, one of the big things, obviously, this is not something new to the sector. We've seen campaigns from Sporting like this, this girl can in terms of increasing the opportunities for women and girls to work in the sector. And it's really important we do that. We still have inequalities in the sector. And women and girls are often overlooked in terms of um, their engagement with sport and physical activity. So the more that the workforce understands about women and girls, more likely women and girls are to engage with our sector and we're going to put better participation for women and girls as well. Interestingly, what we found in the uh, development of the standard is that um, for the past however long, hundreds of years, all of the uh, training and uh, particularly the physiological side of um, training is focused on the male anatomy. Um, so there's no wonder that people don't understand how to adapt their, um, their, their sessions and how they work for women and girls. And that's just one example of many things that we found throughout the the 12 months that we've done been through to develop the standard um, so you'll see lots of new and interesting information in there about how to work with women and girls and we hope that um, you don't have to be women and girls to take the training um, actually really preferential that you're not in some cases um, and hopefully you will uh, learn a great deal about how to engage women and girls in, in your in your activities much better as a result of doing some training related to the standard. That's great thanks for joining us on the podcast Colin. Thank you. We're delighted to be joined on the cast by Simspa's Head of Education, Natasha Eason. Hi, I'm Tash. I'm Head of Education at Simspa. Thanks for joining us on the podcast, Tash. Um, you've been doing loads of work recently um, with our education partners, and, and one piece of work that the team's been working on is our quality assurance model, and some really exciting developments there. Can you just tell us a little bit about the work that's been going on and how that's going to really benefit our education partners, but also um, learners and, and employees that, that they're engaging with. Yeah, sure. So we've been working on our quality assurance strategy for the past probably 18 months, uh, where we've been working with our partners to, to kind of really delve into what quality assurance means for the provider, what does it mean for our organisations that work within the sector and how that ultimately benefits the learners coming through. So what the feedback that we've had is that providers are really wanting us to start differentiating between them. You know, so what we've tried to do over the next kind of 18 months is start to move into this next phase of quality assurance. So we will be developing and, and rolling out our new framework and boundaries. Uh, and what that means is we will be categorising our partners in terms of uh, three areas, going from emerging, enabling, into enhancing. So what that means is we are able to then signpost our employers to the best providers that we've got, but ultimately it's about support. It means that we're able to identify key areas for development for partners that are either new into the sector um, and also share best practice. So those that are potentially at the top of their games are really enhancing the development learning journey for our 
members and potential um, learners coming through, we're able to use that to support other providers as well. So you'll start to see regular training sessions every quarter based on any findings that we get. So our training providers can dip in and out, take some key points and start to utilise those the next day, basically. Um, and what that means for employers is that they can start to look at the providers that we've got, start to really delve into which ones are the best ones for them on a localised basis as well, looking at nationally as well. So yeah, it just means that we're able to differentiate between our partners and really start to hone in on that key development of how we can support them to be better, for them to support our, um, our members and our learners coming through. That's fantastic. Thanks, Tesh. And I understand you've got a webinar coming up shortly for our partners. Yeah, so we will be hosting a webinar to go through the boundaries and frameworks and what does that mean and get any feedback on the 16th of August at 12.30. So all our training providers will get an invite to that. So please look out for it. Fab. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast, Tash. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this first edition of the cast from Simspa. Let us know what you think. And if you'd like to join us on a future episode, please get in touch.